0: hey happy friday welcome to a upcoming holiday edition of data plus love we've already announced that we have a ted danson special coming on december 29th which we'll be closing out the year with and we'll have more data stuff coming in the future don't sweat that i know we've been a little indulgent lately but that's what happens when you suddenly have the capability to record much easier and with much greater frequency so expect more great guests, more great episodes, and more to come. But uh, as we're all getting ready to take a little time this year off with our families and reflect and maybe have some fun, uh, more and more people are getting back to the movies now, specifically at their multiplexes and cinemas. And with big movies finally making a full-blown return, uh, you're going to have to make some difficult choices. And I think right now, The two biggest choices that you're going to have to make is if you only had time and money to see one, are you going to go see Spider Man No Way Home or The Matrix Resurrections? Well, fear not. I've seen them both, and I'd like to make some recommendations. I will avoid spoilers the best I can, but I can't make any guarantees. I'll try to keep my analysis limited to what I've seen in the commercials, uh, as well as. Know, avoiding obviously some of the major points I've seen on screen. So, the big takeaway here is both of these movies are huge nostalgia plays. So, they're both referencing back to stuff from about 20 years ago. So, The Matrix obviously hit big in the late 90s. It was a huge cultural touchstone and actually went on to influence movies for many years after that. Spider Man, similarly, in the early 2000s, was a resurrection of the superhero film genre. So, Uh, The Batman franchise had been the big return to that in the late 80s and early 90s, only to be killed spectacularly by Batman um, forever, and then put nails in the coffin with Batman and Robin. There were obviously other things before Spider-Man, like Blade and the X-Men first movie, but Spider-Man was the big one that broke all of the records, um, and it changed what people thought a superhero movie could be so again let's talk brass tacks here both these movies are clearly making nostalgia plays if you've seen a trailer for spider-man no way home you'll know that the marvel cinematic universe which i have been a frequent uh you know critic of to a degree saying that most of the movies are unmemorable not to say there aren't great ones um is making a play here so rather than this just playing with the typical pieces that they have on the board they're actually dragging in some of the characters from the previous Sony Spider-Man franchises. So this is the third Spider-Man reboot that we're currently in. First there was three Tobey Maguire movies, then two Andrew Garfield movies, and now we're in the area of Tom Holland you watch the trailer, you'll see that you're going to have Dr. Octopus from Spider-Man 2 in about 2004, as well as a referenced return of the Green Goblin, played by Willem Dafoe. So it's making a clear nostalgia ploy back to about 20 years ago. Like, if you liked those Spider-Man movies, we're pulling in elements of those. So in terms of story and content, obviously it's uh, mimicking into the Spider-Verse from a few years ago to a degree. The fact that it's extending across multiple you know character universes but beyond that it's a nostalgia ploy Um, and in the same way so is the matrix resurrections so if you've seen the trailers to the matrix resurrections uh, you'll recognize hey it looks like this is a setup very similar to the first matrix and having seen the movie i can tell you that clips from the previous matrix movies are rampant throughout them that's not going to spoil the plot for you anything but It is something to be aware of that it's clearly trying to say, hey, remember that thing you liked from before. Well, between the two films, having seen both of them, I can tell you that Spider Man does it far more elegantly than The Matrix. If I could use a couple other movies as an allegory so, a few years ago, Ready Player One came out. Ready Player One, based on the best selling book, was adapted into a movie by Steven Spielberg. And I kind of think of it as Easter egg, the movie, where, hey, I know that thing. Hey, that looks cool. And to a degree, I've criticized some of the Star Wars franchise movies um, as that. Like, hey, look, it's an ATST. Remember how you like ATSTs? Many times we're sort of being served nostalgia or, hey, do you recognize this reference in lieu of story content. And Ready Player One, as a book, which I've criticized, is. You know, 80s porn, um, in many ways, is like that as a film, except it's more broad. You know, people are watching it looking for references to Back to the Future and King Kong and seeing their favorite video game players in it. And that's what's energizing them more than the actual quality of the story and sort of the realism and believability of the characters and their motivations. Now, juxtapose that against Free Guy, which came out uh, in late summer, early fall. Free Guy is another video game world-based movie with video game movie references. I mean, even references to Star Wars and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even to the point where having like MCU uh, actors in the real world react to what is happening in the video game. So it's clearly playing for the fan service nostalgia bent. But the difference between Free Guy and Ready Player One, and I know I'm going to be strung up for this, I don't care, people come at me, Um, is that... Free Guy had a much more solid story, it had much better characterization, and the references were in service of the story. Whereas with Ready Player One, the references were often references for the sake of references. Or the reference is the story, you know? Hey, remember this thing? Isn't that great? And I, I mean, to, to a certain degree, Ready Player One's a little bit sycophantic in that uh, sense, right? It's all about a sort of media mogul who his influence over culture is so great that all of the kids of a new generation are obsessed with all of the same 1980s era media that he used to be into. And I mean, the, the author of the book is guilty of that in uh, other books he's written as well. So it's kind of his zone. It's like he's into stuff and he just wants to talk about that. And I get it. I'm doing that right now. I'm talking about stuff. But I would compare um, Spider-Man No Way Home and The Matrix to those two things in that very same way. So Spider-Man No Way Home is equivalent to Free Guy in this case. While it is definitely pulling from other sources and things that you know that you like, both in terms of the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well as some of the references it's going to be making to other things you've seen before, it's done fairly elegantly. And it is fan service, no doubt. Like, this is being done because they know people will enjoy it. But it's done in a very celebratory and, you know, kind of dignified way in some cases, elevating things from before that maybe didn't get as much love. And in the case of The Matrix Resurrections, it's almost done kind of cynically. It's self-referential to the point of pain, with scenes being mirrored and things being thrown back to, even though you as a viewer would recognize this either from earlier in the movie or as one of the more iconic scenes in the original Matrix franchise. It's not done in a very sophisticated way and i know that there will be this being the matrix and the matrix having been such a big cultural touch point in the past there's going to be articles written about this there's going to be analysis done there's going to be you know um uh, the psychology of the matrix resurrected and i mean look we went through all that before right like with the original matrix trilogy it's like uh is it about gnosticism is it transcendentalism is it um you know transhumanism as we all merge with machines and become one you know, more recently, the Wachowskis have talked about how they, they had trans messaging in the movies, and that's what one of the big messages of The Matrix was about, right? So there's been all of that that's been said about The Matrix. And, and it's really like many of the points of The Matrix and many of the points that you'll see in The Matrix Resurrections have been made before and perhaps been made better in more recent media that you've been familiar with, things like Westworld or Person of Interest and things like that. That have touched on many of the concepts that are being revisited here. I mean, at the end of the day, if I had to choose between seeing these two movies, I don't think either is amazing. I enjoyed Spider-Man a lot more than I enjoyed The Matrix Resurrections, and honestly, I don't see myself watching The Matrix Resurrections again. I'd much rather just go back and watch the first Matrix movie. I, I'd get a lot more out of it, and honestly, this movie looks too shiny. The original Matrix had a lot more grit to it. It had a lot more you know, realism of a simulcrum, and in this case, it just looks like shiny, pretty 4K movie, and it doesn't feel very Matrix-y to me. So between the two of them, I'd go with Spider-Man. It's a lot more charming. It's something that's enjoyable. It's got ups and downs. It's got heartfelt character moments, and honestly, it felt a lot more like a movie than the Chris Farley show making references to something that I used to like. So that's my tip on what to watch this weekend when you're home with your family and out on the holidays. Great talking to you, Data fam. We'll be back to you with a regularly scheduled Data Plus Love episode in the new year. Hang on for our TED dance and end of year birthday celebration on the 29th, and I'll talk to you soon. Hey well, I still got your ear, one more thing. If you're looking for some good reading, I highly suggest the work of Daniel Suarez. I've said before that I'm a huge Michael Crichton fan. I love techno thrillers. And if that's up your alley, Daniel Suarez is the heir apparent to that throne. So whether it's his space mining based book, Delta V, or um, his technology <laughs> thrillers like The Demon and its sequel, Future TM, uh, you can't really go wrong with any of his books. Check one out today and let me know what you think. I'd love to hear your feedback on what you read and uh, if any of it resounded with you. Either way, some of his books in the past, like Influx, which is about a, a government agency that suppresses technology that can be considered disruptive, many of his things I've read and thought they were preposterous, and then within five years I realized just how much he had his finger on the pulse of what was coming next. Let me know.